had my blue moon. Blue moon. Hey, you do. That's do. craziness. Is it standing alone? It is it's standing very alone. Yes. So for all you furs that get that. Uh, and for so, those of you that don't, it's probably best. <laughs> that's true. This is Barely Furcasting, featuring Tabin, an Injured Nerves audio production. So hello, Tabin. Hello, furs in the Potiverse, and welcome to the podcast once again. Yay, puppy sewed or something. Puppy sewed. Or if I were to make like a like a dress or something, then I would have puppy sewed. Wow, once again, we're getting off to a really great start. This is amazing. Rapid, wow. Just rapidly going downhill. It's right. like a soapbox derby. You it's like there's it no... The top and, yeah. It just goes down. <laughs> there's no stopping. I think we can probably say whatever we want now because I think every fur has stopped listening by this point. We are hoping... To have some good fun today, uh, this week, uh, we're all glad. We're glad you're. We're all glad you're all here. <laughs> everything, everything you just said. Uh, you know, Tabe, we've been doing this for a while now. Yeah, I know. Wow, can you believe it? What's this? Our twenty sixth episode. Twenty eighth. Twenty eighth. Oh, wow. Twenty eighth episode. I don't think we're going to be able to stop ever. 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 I. I <laughs> It's like that um, derby car you talked about. It's like, well, it's been pushed. We can't stop now. Plus, it's become such a part of my weekly routine. Like the other day, I chose not to do anything with the podcast. Wow. And I was like... What do I even do now? (laughs) What do I do now? Yeah. So we have no mail. Nobody loved us. Maybe someday we can do something that'll make some fur love us. Like give them a hug or... Maybe say hi. We'll do something. Something someday someone will love us. You know what's going to happen. It's going to be like the YouTube videos. You got nobody watching, nobody watching, nobody watching. And then all of a sudden you have a thousand viewers and you're like, what? when did that happen? When did that? What <laughs> did even happen? Yeah. And yeah. then you're like, what caused that? I'm a little scared. That's exciting. But uh, what, what happened? Right? <laughs> yeah. What, what happened with that? I don't understand. So let's uh, move on to media. media. And I'll let you. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you jump right in because, you know, why not? Why not indeed? Let's see. Media. Oh, well, uh, so last week, you might remember, I've been watching a few things, and one of which was uh, the most recent and last, but most recent season of Schitt's Creek. And again, I emphasize, I feel I should emphasize for whatever reason, just in case any fur wants to watch it, it's S-C-H-I-T-T apostrophe S. Which shows possession. It does. It's a show with possession. (laughs) Oh, my cow. Just today, I watched the series finale. Really good. Really great ending. Ends on a very happy note. You know how some shows, they usually end okay, but like the season finale is like they've got to put something in there that's a little bit sad and unnerving because they do that. Mm-hmm. Hate that. Right. I mean, it's kind of fun sometimes, but this doesn't. This is like really feel good ending and, and really great. So I, I really recommend it. And it's the series finale. So there's no more. It's the series. Uh, yeah, this is as far as I, I think it's true that this was season four. Five, I think. And I think this was oh. it. Like I mentioned last week, I think it was, I watched the last of The Good Place and how that was the end. And it ended on a really good thing. The writers and editors, they even wrote that. Um, we don't even want to try and do any more because um, we feel we, you know, it's a good spot. And it was. And the same thing with Sh- Shits Creek. I think it ended in a really good spot. I, I said a lot more than I meant to say about that, but you know how I am and you you're not surprised at all. I'm not surprised at all. And it ended on a spot, not a Fido. 
It did. It did. <laughs> to give you a clue about that, it was blue. Ah. You probably don't even know what I did there because I don't think anyone I do. You do? <gasps> yeah. I'm so proud of you. Steve. Because Steve. Yeah. Oh, wow. I am. I actually feel so much <laughs> rectified, I guess, is the word that you caught on to that because I don't, I didn't know what I was doing. Anyway, hi. So I'm watching not much because I've been all encompassed with everything. And for some reason, when the fall hits, my workload goes way through the ceiling with my job. But I've been catching up on uh, the show last week tonight with John Oliver on HBO. Oh, cool. And a lot of furs are aware of that based on the fact that he had the rat porn on his show. <laughs> rat erotica. Let's rat erotica. Yes, that's true. Although, and he did have a hashtag rat erotica.com or something to send messages to or something he like did, that. He did. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so, awesome. He highlighted that a couple of weeks ago again because he talked about all the art that he has bought over time with his show. But the latest show... They had went ahead and honored him with the sewage treatment plant in Danbury, Connecticut. That's quite an honor. (laughs) And that's about it. I mean, I really haven't watched a whole lot more. Well, you know what? I think it is time for us to post our link for Five Minute Furs for Fun. Five Minute Furs for Fun. I don't know either. Um, I apologize, apologize profusely to Irving Fur, but I did it, so can't take it back. Hey, look, it's Kois Raccoon. He got in on Five Minute Furs for fun. Hello, he Kois. Did. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. So I understand you know Tabin somehow. Yes. So I know Tabin through working at, for I guess I should say volunteering at Ferlandia. You know, he helped me co-host the dance comp. And I also worked with him doing opening ceremonies where he played with Bucktown and did, ooh, I forgot the songs. I remember Take Five and... You did Take Five and All You Need Is Love and Born To Be Wild. Yes. All back to me now. <laughs> For any fur that wants to see our performance and that and the performance in his show he did, see my YouTube channel and go do the playlist Tabinet Cons. And of course, we, we did uh, closing ceremonies together too. Obviously. Did we do fursuit games? I don't remember. You know, I was so busy. I remember we were double booked. <laughs> they wanted the guests of honors to be at the ice cream social, which makes sense. But then at the same time, they had the floor wars going that they wanted me and Bucktown to judge for also. And then I was announcing also or something. I don't know. And so when we went to break, me and Bucktown ran down the hall to ice cream social for a few minutes, (laughs) ran back. And we did that a few times. Anyway, (laughs) hilarity ensued. And there it is. And life went on. So, Kois, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? He's an amazing raccoon. How did you get into the furry fandom? I am in Portland, just, you know, chilling here. But I moved from Boise, Idaho, very dry, very unpopulated. And I came here for school. I'm now graduated. Woo. I got into the fandom. I just, like, went down a rabbit hole on youtube and found like furry videos and i was like "Mm, yeah this is what i want to involve myself with at this time sounds good to me Um, (laughs) so i decided to like instead of just going to a con by myself i decided i was like i should probably volunteer to like have a reason to go so i'm not just wandering aimlessly Mm -hmm. i feel like my persona story is really boring as well it's like the most uninteresting part of my involvement with furries 
Oh, um, good. Yeah. So <laughs> I was volunteering, but like I didn't have a fursona. So I like went to the Furlandia planning meeting and they were like, well, who are you? And I was like, I don't know. And they were like, what's your persona? I was like, I don't have one. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, sorry about that. And they were like, how can we like trust this guy? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so I showed up to the next meeting and I was like, oh God, what do I do? I like blue. I like raccoons. Uh, I'm going to make a turquoise raccoon and like shorten turquoise to coise. Call it good. Call it a day. So the next time I went to the meeting, I was like, yeah, so um, I have like a blue raccoon persona named Koi. So like, I'm legit now. Y'all can like hire me <laughs> on. Like, you can trust me. <laughs> you can join the club. Yeah. So that's where Koi wow. came from. That's something I didn't know. I didn't realize that it would be a hard name for people to pronounce just because it's like out of context and everybody's like, what? How do you say that? I'm like, oh, I didn't know. Like, quosi? I'm like, <laughs> sure, yeah. That works. Yeah. If you put an apostrophe before it, then people will say kois. Yeah, ah. I probably should do that. Well, kois, it's, it's like really good to see you. So what have you been, well, you got your uh, diploma, and that's amazing, and uh, possum. What have you been doing since then? Ooh, so I've been obviously on the hunt for an elusive job it's so weird you know where will it lead me but in the meantime i've been doing a lot of drawing and a lot of art and illustration i'm currently doing an art challenge called inktober where you make a new ink drawing every day for the month of october tonight's prompt for me is dig so if you have any ideas maybe i'll draw it or maybe I won't. I don't know. It depends on if I like it. <laughs> so dig, and it's Halloween, so it's something in a graveyard. You dig, man? <laughs> maybe it can be like, I don't know, someone in skates saying like, you dig. Sure. There sure. you go. There we go. Oh, how about, how about a raccoon? Um, <gasps> You're so smart. On I skates, like where this is going. And uh, he's, he's rolling <laughs> by Tabin. He's rolling by me. And he's oh just saying like, sup, you dig? Sure. You know, I'll get on it, and I'll link it in... The group chat. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. And if you want to see it too, then join the Telegram group and you will be able to feast your eyes on this incredible award-winning illustration. I love how you plugged our chat right there. So that's great. Yes, perfect. He is is quite the salesman. Is that what your degree is in? Sales? (laughs) No, it's kind of adjacent though. I studied in graphic design and we had to do a lot of marketing too. So Barely, I want to let you know. So Kois is also um, a punster. Like, I, I don't know if you saw the uh, dance comp at Ferlandia that we, we co-hosted, but that was so many, like, so many bad so puns. So many puns. I, I feel bad for the first <laughs> because we kept, like, not making fun of, but putting their names in a pun and everything. And, like, we had way too uh, much fun. <laughs> I won't lie. Some Sometimes at night, I'll be, like, laying in bed and think to myself, wow, some of those are really bad and i am ashamed there are definitely some that we should be ashamed of but they they let us do it anyway they didn't like cut us off halfway through and say no you you both are no more no they (laughs) didn't cut us off because they they didn't didn't turn your microphones off no they didn't we didn't know that we were gonna do that i'm sure if we asked beforehand they would have been like yeah no don't do that They, they well, were just you know, desperate, though. <laughs> you know, we have a podcast that are full of puns, too. So, you know, I know what this is like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. as I heard, there, some of them are stretched, but I appreciate the effort. <laughs> Mo- mostly the ones from me. Barely's are usually good, but then there, there's me. So Awesome. Well, Kois, our five minutes is up. Indeed but it is. <laughs> up like a pup. 
you sound like a very interesting folk, and perhaps we should have you on as a feature guest in the future. Ooh, I'm down. I dig it. You dig it. You're not a raccoon anymore. You're a goose that is burrowing his head in the sand like an ostrich. What? Well, because down goose and then digging it, I was trying to come up with something really fast. And all I could just picture for whatever reason, all of a sudden was an ostrich with his head in the ground. But (laughs) I don't really know. Tabin, do you know how to get down off an elephant? Well, I know barely. How do you get down off an elephant? You don't get down off an elephant. You get down off a duck. Well, I think we all kind of saw that coming, but I let you do it anyway. All right, Kois. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. That was great with uh, Kois Raccoon. Yes, I was really good to see him again. One of our associate editors has been really on my butt about getting more raccoons on the show. We must have more raccoons. Because he's a raccoon, so... (laughs) I said, well, we need more bears. And Taven says we need more pups. So there you go. Can't have them all at once. So you can't. Reigns will be uh, excited. Let's move into our guest. And our guest today is Kazool. Kazool, not from Ghostbusters. That's Zool. This is Kazool. Kazool. Hey, Kazool. Hey, Bart. Well, welcome to the show, Kazool. Is it Kazool or Kazool? Um, I say Kazool. I'll respond to either. You can call me Kaz. Kaz, okay. All right, yeah. yeah. And there's a, because you go by that. So welcome and hi, and how are you on this fine evening, Kazool? I am doing great. Just, you know, just going through day by day, trying to <laughs> be productive and stuff. Yep. Uh, well, that's kind of a good way to get through the day, because y- you find out that at one point or at the end of the day, and you did stuff. I don't even know what I'm going to what I'm talking about. So <laughs> why so don't Tabin, I? Tabin, do you have some questions you'd like to ask her? Let me steer this in the right direction. Yeah, please. I? Thank you, okay. Barely. Yes, I do have questions that are actually more coherent than anything else I have been saying so far. So let's just dive into that. So Kazuo, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you are all about. Well, I am Kazool, and I run a company called Kazplay. Um, it's kind of a pun on Kazool and the word cosplay, just mashed together. I like to uh, make tutorials and, and patterns and tools to help other people to teach them how to get into this hobby, because I think cosplay and all the subsets underneath it are is just a wonderful hobby. It gets your creativity going. It's such like a multifaceted hobby that takes so many different disciplines. It's a lot of fun to perform at, first of all, and it's a lot of fun to build yourself and can really build your confidence in ways. And I just want to help people to be able to enjoy this hobby as much as me. So uh, that that's kind of what I'm all about now. Cool. I, I we, we like it. Contributing to both those out there and to yourself. And that's just wonderful. Um, and so do you consider yourself a furry? I would have to say yes, because that's kind of where I got my start. Okay, good, good, good. I found the furry fandom in like 2009, 8-ish. And it was through like a picture of a fursuit on on DeviantArt that I saw. It was it was actually like a Kimari cosplay from Final Fantasy, so the blue lion guy. 
Um, okay. And it, it was it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen on the internet as a young lad, and it, it was <laughs> it was inspiring. And I saw in the comments people were saying fursuits and furries and stuff, and so I went and looked it up and went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, the bunny hole continues too to this day. It wow, does. so. So you started on fursuits then. Yeah, the monsters yeah. came later. Okay, cool. Yes, that's right. So I guess then kind of related then, do you have your own fursona? I do. So my fursona Kazool is actually a griffin. The bird half is an American kestrel and the lion half is a mountain lion. Both those creatures are native to the area that I live in and I've had it's been cool to have close encounters with at least the kestrel and see them in the wild. Do you have a fursuit of your fursona? And if so, was it like your first fursuit or how did that progress go? It was one of my first ones. So when I first got involved, I was just going off to college and I was a little bit nervous about what people would think of this weird hobby that I was trying. So I decided to make something that in my mind would make sense to a lot more people. So when I went off to college, I did join the uh, juggling club and performed around in unicycle and juggling and stuff. And the mascot of my college was a cougar. So my first fursuit that I built was a cougar and I used it to perform with the juggling club at events around my school. Oh, wow. Talented, so. talented from very early <laughs> on. <laughs> So that that was the first suit that I built, and it was just to kind of get experience. I did try to start building a griffin, and I still have that attempt. I never finished it, so I can't call it my first one. So my my persona suit was the second one that I built. Okay, okay. The, the first attempt wasn't exactly what you're the happiest about, I can <laughs> <I'm> guess. <laughs> well, I mean... You know, everything is hard when you start out. Oh, and yeah. You're bound to make failures. And so that one was my failure. But I, I can't bring myself to throw it away because it was one of the first big projects that I attempted. It was. And I mean, I'm sure you learned like so much from it. I mean, that's how we oh, learn yeah. by like failing. So <laughs> great. Yes. So then the monsters, where did they come from? Is that like some deep, dark, hidden kazool <laughs> in the soul secret or what's going on there? Well, sort of. Like I've always loved video games growing up. And one of my favorite series of all time would be Warcraft. So Warcraft 3, well, even starting at Warcraft 2 on. Um, that was very high fantasy and beautiful artwork. So um, I got married in 2011, and my husband is also a big fan of Blizzard and Warcraft. And in talking to him, we planned on going to our very first BlizzCon in 2013. So I know that they have a costume contest there. So and because I'd spent like a lot of time with my husband watching old BlizzCon clips of their cosplay contest and everything. And I'm like, man, I need to do this. I need to compete in this. So when I started making the more realistic monster creature like suits, it was for BlizzCon to compete in their contest. So based on those kind of fantasy creatures, that started me in that direction. And that was a whole nother rabbit hole that I just like, I've enjoyed that so much. Now, uh, before my first BlizzCon, I like, did some suit commissions. So I probably built uh, maybe like six 
or seven fursuits before I started making the BlizzCon cosplays. So is that kind of your focus now, those types of things? Or do you still like uh, weave some fursuitism stuff in there? Or <laughs> I occasionally get the, the itch to do more of the, uh, the stuff that's popular right now, the big cartoony stuff. I, I'm actually planning on making the... I guess 2.0 version of my own persona and same with my husband because he's involved in the furry fandom too. That's exciting. Cool. That's actually how we met. So, and he had ordered a fursuit before we'd even met. So I, I want to make like the next versions of our characters for us. And I've just haven't had time, <laughs> but I'm, I, it's on the list. Um, but I do really enjoy the more realistic creatures, the delving into more Hollywood monster suit technique things. I just think that's really fun and it's a challenge and I like that direction. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen some of these things that you've done and like, wow, you've got some talent. I can tell that every single one is challenging. Um, so these <laughs> creations then, are they typically commissions or made for a particular project? Um, I mean, you already mentioned you created some for BlizzCon and so that was kind of your motivation there. But these days, is it more towards that end or do um, you just make things that just because you want to create them? Right now, um, I would say that uh, BlizzCon is still a huge motivation for me. It's like my favorite time of the year. Uh, it always happens around my birthday. And it's just like that BlizzCon is so electrifying the air when you're there. And it's so cool and inspiring to see all the other cosplayers and meet up with my friends. It's like the big family reunion every year. And I love going to it. So it's like that that's a huge motivation. And I always want to have a project for BlizzCon. It's kind of a bummer this year that it was canceled. And last year I couldn't go either because I had uh, just given birth to my daughter. So oh, well, that's a good reason. <laughs> it's a good reason, but um, I, I still miss it. So hopefully next year, anyway, next time is I will definitely be building a big creature project for that. Um, but some of my other motivations, like I, I like to build stuff for myself or for my YouTube channel to produce content. And so I, I typically don't take commissions just because I don't have a lot of time being a new mom now. And I worked full time for a long time. So I just never had time. To, to do anything but my own work. It turns out there is a finite amount of time in every single day. <laughs> yes. Who who would have thunk it? So your, your creations then that you make, how long do they, like on average, I mean, I know, of course, every project is totally different. What do you say on average, how long would a project take to make that? That includes the design process, which I know is a long process. Anyway, so the design process and the actual building, how long do you think all that takes? Well, for my BlizzCon costumes, planning for the next year's build happens on the drive home from the convention. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so it's a, it's so a long it's, road. It's basically like a year long process. I typically like spend the last couple months of the year. So BlizzCon happens at the beginning of November. So I usually spend the rest of November, December into January just planning. I'll, I'll take a little bit of a break, but I, I'm planning I'm ordering materials uh, to test and doing different tests and just planning, making sketches, thinking through pro like 
how I will do it, uh, making a schedule. And so it typically takes like my, my biggest projects, they, they just keep getting more time consuming, but it's typically over a year that I work on them. And uh, like my biggest one, Hogger, he was the one that he, he actually won the grand prize at BlizzCon 2017. Congratulations. I saw that. Yes. Thank you. So he he was my biggest one. And that was, I didn't exactly time myself, but it was well over 500 hours of work. And that was just building. Like I didn't really even track my my uh, planning time. Yeah. Wow. So Hogger is your biggest, most complex project that you've made? I can believe that. And I actually, in fact, Hogger was the first of your creations I ever saw at, I think it was FC 2018. Is that the one he came to? Yeah. Yeah. He was there. And um, I saw him there when he came out. And I remember, um, I don't know who it is. I'm sure maybe it was your husband, your your company, your partner in crime. I don't know. But he came out of a door and you just heard someone clapping. And, and I did, and no one knew why. And then you turn around, and there's this big, huge null thing, and it's amazing and awesome, <laughs> and it's crazy. Thank you. <laughs> I think ahead of the con, I saw that Hogger was going to um, make an appearance, but I didn't really know anything about your work or what was going on. But I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. So at this point in your career, would you consider Hogger your masterpiece? Yes. I, okay. I guess I would because like he'll always hold a real special place in my heart because he he won me that prize and that had been my goal for so long. And yeah, I, I would say that. Awesome. Okay. Every artist has a masterpiece and yeah. I, I, at this point, and you could create something later. Who knows? Who, who knows what's coming right. out of the mind of but Kazool? It's, it's not my only masterpiece, but no, but yeah, oh, no, <laughs> yeah, no I, I've seen your website and you've got some other set. Well, and you know what? FC 20. Well, I don't know if it was 2018, but at a later con at some point, maybe it was BLFC, I don't know, um, I saw you at a table and was talking to you about um, you, had, you know, some of your creations out there, and they were just oh, amazing. Like that, that just takes so much work and devotion, and that's so cool. So BlizzCon was your motivation, your like reason for, for Hogger and everything. Yes. Where did the inspiration for that particular design come from? When it was 2016, I had just built a costume. It was a character named Gen Greymane. He's a white werewolf who is the king of this city. So he has like a really nice tailored coat and he's just like a big werewolf guy. And that had won me an honorable mention at that BlizzCon. And it was the, let's see, one, two, three. That was the third honorable mention that I had won at BlizzCon. And um, out of four times that I've competed, one time I didn't win anything. But so coming home from from that BlizzCon, I was like, man, I really have to bring it. I, I really want to win. I've I've been able to observe up close and talk to the people who have one, and I can see the level of detail in those costumes, um, and that's what I got to hit. And there, there was just like this extra level of polish that I needed that none of my other costumes had had, and so it was my goal to do that. 
Um, so I, I wanted to pick a character that was iconic, that every Warcraft fan would know. And I wanted to pick a character that I could do a lot of weathering and make them look like lived in. Like with uh, Gen Greymane, he's a king. And so I was a little bit nervous to do a lot of weathering on his costume because I didn't want him to look dirty because kings, they're they're clean. They're, they're well-groomed. They're royal. Yeah. <laughs> they're royal. So on that drive home, I decided, yeah, we should do Hogger. Hogger is a stinky knoll. He lives in the forest and he's covered in dirt and mud. He probably smells terrible. And he's from vanilla WoW. Like every person who plays WoW knows the legend of Hogger. And a lot of people have very strong feelings to Hogger because he was this, like this very difficult character to beat, like unexpectedly would just murder your face off in game over and oh, over. That's that's no good. <laughs> so he was very difficult. Lots of people had strong feelings about him. He, he had the potential for lots of weathering. And he also had like a really fun presence about him because if you see some of the artwork, like he's just got this crazed look and he's like smiling and he's so happy to just like bite your face off. So it's like, and you know, that comes across in your hogger creation too. I mean, his face is just like <laughs> crazy and just like you said, but he's like so ecstatic to like, just want to hurt you yep. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that was the plan was to go forward with that. I also wanted to do some, I had some crazy ideas because Knowles have a really hunched over appearance and I'm really conscious of my back. Uh, I do have scoliosis. So I did, there was no way I wanted to walk over hunched over all day long. So I, I wanted to do something creative with it to be able to have a lot of movement in the character to be able to bring it to life is that I wanted to make it a puppet. So I took inspiration from Big Bird, where the, the actor has like his hand up in Big Bird's head the whole time, and also um, Bear in the Big Blue House. So these are both wearable walk around puppets that you have your hand in the head to control. And that would give me a lot of movement and life that I could give to the character. Um, and it would remove the, the complications and need to fit it to my face and be able to control it with my jaw, which is very limited and tricky to do. So the, the puppet was my big direction that I wanted to take. Wow. There were some difficulties. Like I had to learn a lot of new materials and things to keep the head and the whole costume as lightweight and comfortable as possible. See, some of my other cosplays that I built for BlizzCon were very heavy and it was miserable to wear them during the weekend. Um, and so I was determined. I'm like, I am not going to make a miserable costume. Good for you. <laughs> I wanted to make it as lightweight as possible. So the the head, I actually have structures inside that let me rest the head. So my arm isn't holding it up all the time. And also the head, it only weighs it's about the, the weight of a loaf of bread. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's, it's That's very amazing. lightweight. So do you have formal training in puppetry and costume design and monster design, or is this just something that's that's that comes natural to you? I have always been 
artistically inclined and drawing my whole life and loving that. Uh, I did go to school for 3D animation and I worked in the video game industry as a 3D artist for about six years. And I, I took one puppetry class in college, but I, I don't know how much I learned from that. It's all just basically been self-taught. There's like researching through YouTube, doing Stan Winston school stuff, learning about all these materials from all these different sources. So I, I mean, my previous costume from Hogger, the Gen Greymane, I made his head like uh, a lot of the typical realistic fursuit heads are made with a resin base. And that thing was so heavy. It was actually that costume I built for my husband to wear because he's taller than me and he needed to be tall and intimidating. And uh, I felt so bad. My husband was so sore after wearing him. So <laughs> it's good exercise. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I decided that, you know, I've moved past resin and I like to use uh, foams like EVA foam and an even lighter weight one called uh, L200 an L300 to uh, make a lot of my costumes now because it's just so lightweight and it's rigid enough to hold the shape, but flexible enough that you don't have to be worried about it getting squished. And it's it's just a really great material that I love. So Hogger is actually, you would say, actually comfortable these days. Well, okay. So here's the thing. The whole costume, I I weighed it all. It weighs 35 pounds. And that sounds like a lot, but I had it mostly strapped to my midsection. So there was no huge weight on my arms or on my head. And usually when you're carrying stuff in your arms or having a heavy weight on top of your head, that's where you feel the soreness coming in. But if it's all strapped around your midsection, it's way less of a big deal. So Actually, at, at that BlizzCon that I took Hogger to, I happened to get like the worst cold that I've ever had in my life. Oh, no. <laughs> so even going around all day with the worst cold of my life, wearing the whole Hogger getup, like the next day, I wasn't sore from carrying the cosplay, which was my goal. <laughs> and, you know, in that video, the one where Hogger won, um, you seem to actually move around pretty well too. So that, that was actually pretty impressive. Yeah, that, that was one thing. I wanted the, the character to move really well. So I, I designed it to be really uh, comfortable. So I had like two big computer pans mounted inside the, the neck structure that helped circulate air in, into me. And if you could see like my legs were exposed like the the character's legs were outside of mine in this weird puppetry kind of theatrical illusion uh like have you seen those uh walk around t-rex costumes oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Where, where the person's legs you can see them and they're kind of puppeting the the legs the legs work like that but uh, i knew that in blizzcon it's usually low lights and i knew the stage had like a black background because i'd been there before um, and so my black tights that I was wearing over to cover my legs, like just kind of blend into the background. So do you, um, do you hogger often or are you usually the one to wear your costumes? I knew you, you said your husband does and how much of a, a part of it do you have in that? <laughs> so I, I've kind of been switching off every year. Uh, it's 
for the last couple of years, like, okay, I'll, I'll build a big thing for me and then I'll build a big thing for you so that we can both kind of experience that. Uh, because it's, it's fun on both ends. Like if I'm outside, I can see everyone's reactions to my creation and I can talk to people who know me from my YouTube channel or from winning with Hogger and they can, or I can see my friends and I can actually say hi to them and still show off my work. So, but sometimes it's fun to be the performing character. So um, I like to switch off and, and build different big projects for us. I do not Hogger very often anymore just because he's very, uh, it, it's a lot of pieces. It takes a lot of space in our vehicle to travel with him. And if I fly anywhere, he's he's not coming. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I saw your your hogger suit up video just the other day, and yeah, complicated. I mean, there's a lot there. So um, I'm <laughs> yeah. I need I need somebody who knows what they're doing to help put them together. And I, uh, my my husband, of course is my partner in crime for that. So he, he understands and knows all the, where all the pieces go. Yeah, that's uh, very helpful. So getting back kind of to the the making, how do you feel? Of course, so between fursuit making and your monster creation, for lack of better words, there's obviously big differences, but there's probably similarities too. So what, as far as the making and design process goes, what are similarities and differences, the, the big ones that you see? I like to spend a lot of time in the planning process. I think through all the previous costumes that I've made, fursuit and monsters, and try to think like how I can apply the lessons that I learned from them. So I say, oh, this fursuit, it was a little hard to see. Uh, This creature was a little too heavy. And like figure out what I would solve change in those ones when I'm thinking forward to the next one. So they can help each other. Yes, the skills are are completely the same. I would say the the difference between my my creatures and monsters for the most part and and kind of like your typical fursuit a lot of the times is just the the finish, the amount of layers. A lot of fursuits stop uh you know right at this the sewing part once they get all the thing the patterns sewn together, which is fine because they're supposed to be like colorful and cartoony and that reflects that well. Um, but you can take it a step further. You can add uh, airbrushing, which some people do. And that's just like another layer of finish. And then with monsters, like another layer on top of that would be weathering. Um, weathering just kind of makes it seem lived in. So a lot of the fur on Hogger, I took scissors to it and holding the scissors in in parallel to the fur fibers, I just like trimmed and hacked up at the fur to create a little bit of unevenness and to make it because nothing is that uniform in nature as where you get the 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 fur off the bolt of fabric especially a big knoll like hogger (laughs) right so just little things like that like those layers adding those up that's what creates what i think is a really nice i i guess not realistic like like hogger i i can't really call him realistic because he's a fantasy creature he has this huge grin and crazy eyes he he doesn't look like a real hyena 
that is in Africa right now. But he does look like believable is the word I like to use. He looks like he could exist in our world. Yeah. So he looks lived in like with believable details. I put like, um, I kind of airbrushed like a lighter dirt color around his paws because if you go and walk through the dirt in your shoes and clothes, it actually puts like a light dust layer that looks like across your stuff. So little things like just observing what happens in the real world and applying those to your characters, like those can add a level of believability. Oh, that's cool. No, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And of course, all those little things, they all add up. <laughs> right. But that's um, a really good, I like how you're connecting, well, I don't know if the word is connecting, but taking experiences from real life and your observations from real life and applying that to make your own new life in, in your creations. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it all has to do with like your, like what your goals are. If your goal is to just make a, a what looks like a cartoon character that has just walked into the real world. Like fursuits are great for that. And there's a lot of that, that takes a lot of skill. And so it's just like which direction you want to go, but they're very similar things. They all take a level of sculpting or carving with the fur and understanding of shapes and 3d. Um, It all takes a understanding of patterning and uh, sewing. So it, it, they're very similar, and that's that's what allowed me to transition so naturally into this. There are some other skills. Like, I always love to be learning, so it's just, like, just building just step upon step of different skills. I, I think it's obvious. You, like, do your own, like, the initial design and drawings, you do your own, I assume. Yeah. I mean, for my BlizzCon stuff, they're based on characters that have already been created by blizzard so i start with their concept art and then make my own with either oh kind of both i start with like a sketch like drawing over my body or trying to draw my own interpretation of the character and then i'll take it a step further and do what i call a concept sculpt so a little miniature sculpt that i'll just really nail down the shapes that i want uh like with hogger his source material in the game was like made in 2002 and it was very low polygon so I had a lot of artistic freedom that I could have like interpret those shapes in the way that I wanted that still like uh would it would still read as hogger and people could tell it was hogger but it was a lot of my own details and ideas that I put into that character if someone wanted to start, so as you said, um, fursuit making and the creature making and all that, I mean, there's different kind of layers and different aspects, but when it comes down to it, if you're doing this creation process, a lot of it is really the same, So, you, which is great. You can get a common kind of ground and then take it off into whichever direction you want. So if someone wanted to start doing um, either creature making or fursuit making or this type of creative process, or maybe they're into it, but wanted to improve their skills, how would you recommend they go about doing that? If you're already making and just want to improve, I would say pick a project and pick a focus or two. So when you pick your next project that you want to do, pick one or two new things that you want to learn 
with this project. Like like for Hogger, I, my goal was I wanted to do a lot of puppetry things and I wanted to experiment with some lightweight materials. So th- those were basically my two goals. With Gen Greymane, I wanted to learn how to make a resin base and that was my first muscle suit that I had built. So I always love the the part where you use your projects that you're passionate about, that you want to build to be able to learn and build the skills that you want. If you're just starting out from zero, you like have no practical building experience, you'll have to start small, like start with buying a pattern uh, and following a tutorial to build like a little stuffed animal. That project will teach you a lot about making if you can find a project that you're excited about that gets you fired up and you want to com- see completed that'll up your chance of learning the skills and working through the hard things that you got to do to be able to achieve that great yeah no that makes a lot of sense i li- i like what you say about how you're kind of combining your things meaning you have these projects you want to do but use the projects to learn don't just say okay i know this skill let's do something with it. You're doing both at the same time. So you're kind of really, you're increasing a lot of your motivation and excitement about the project all at once and um, becoming a better, better person. And that's wonderful. And I mean, that also makes it more like special to you when it's done, no matter how it turns out, if you've learned and have completed something, that's great. I think yeah. you, we've had a few other fursuit makers on the show. I think it was Matrices that said her one of her big advices were finish something, don't worry about perfection. I don't remember the exact oh, yeah. phrase she used, but just, just you know, do it. <laughs> and, yeah. and who cares how it turns out? That's how you learn. <laughs> Finished is better than perfect. That's exactly what she said, yes. You, you will learn more by working on a project and finishing it, then you will ever learn by like just researching or reading about stuff or even starting something and can like throwing it away and starting over and continuing doing that process. Like it's a lot of the times better to just like push through and finish. A lot of the times when I think like, oh, this, this isn't looking good, this isn't looking good, that there's a moment where you're like, huh, this, like uh, you keep working on it, you keep refining it and you're like, oh, this doesn't look as bad as I thought it did. So uh, that, that happens a lot. Like it turns out better than you think it will, but also like, don't be afraid to make something that you're like, well, ah, uh, that was a learning project. I guess. <laughs> don't feel pressure. You don't have to share it online. Yeah. yeah, you right, right. To, you don't have to show anybody just, just build something. It, yeah. It's good like yeah you have to you have to do the work to learn something that's why i'm a fan of after each project i like to take like a a post-mortem and like actually take the time and write it down like oh i like this about this project i'm really proud of this part i could do better on this other part um i i think that this part really sucks this is what i would do better next time I, I like to keep records of that and look back at it. Part of the learning process, definitely. So even when you're done with the project, you're not done learning. <laughs> Never. <laughs> right. And yeah, there's like, even when you're done building the project, like when you go wear it intensely at a convention or something, you learn a lot more even about 
how you should build things too. So like figuring out uh, how to make it easy to get on and off or how making it so it's more comfortable or not. Like those are all things that you have to learn and you won't learn unless you have a finished product to wear around. Yep. And I, I guess still, even if part of the value of finishing a project would be, well, now the next time you do it, you know what's coming up. Whereas if you do, like you were starting to say, you start something and throw it away and start over again, you don't necessarily know what's coming up in the end. So you can't like really think ahead about it. So you're, you're stunting your, your growth in learning that way too. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is something that I kind of learned from being in the video game industry is, is doing a prototype. I like to take if there's a part of my costume that I don't know how to do like on hogger was the first time that I built uh, any armor or like kind of foam prop before I built the rest of it I took one small piece and I built that out to completion so I I carved I I formed the foam I weathered it I painted it I weathered it again and just took it from the start to finish, just one piece, one small piece, so that I could learn each of the the parts of the process and figure out where the mistakes or possible hardships were so that I could have those in mind when I built the rest of the costume. I ended up throwing the first piece that I built away and starting over just because I learned a lot, but... I, I took it through to the finish and said, okay, I learned some things. Now let's start over. And the next time I did it, it worked good. Uh, and I mean, he came out amazingly wonderful. So it worked <laughs> apparently. So I, f- I forget if you mentioned it already. Uh, do you have any current or new near future projects that we should be looking forward to? Yeah, I have two in mind that I really want to get to. And Um, They are actually pushing outside my comfort zone. So for the past, uh, I guess, since 2009, I've been doing, you know, furries, creatures, monsters, and I'm still kind of in that camp, but we're crossing the threshold into the humanoid type stuff. Uh So (laughs) one of my next projects for the next BlizzCon is actually a goblin character called Jaster Gallywix. Jasper Gallywicks. Yeah, he's the mob boss of the Bilgewater cartel. So he's, he's I, I'll get to build a fat suit and I want to do some stuff with a silicone skin and try to make a silicone mask so that it would have that realistic skin texture. So that, that'll be like the first costume that I've built that will use my own eyes. So I'll have to get some contacts. So that's pushing, you know, outside my comfort zone. Big learning opportunity. (laughs) Yes. Lots of, lots of new things to learn. I know a lot of my followers won't be quite as jazzed about it as I am, but I'm really excited to get into this project. Also another one from Bloodborne, which is a, it's a monster, but it's not an animal monster if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> so it's called Murgo's Wet Nurse, and it's a fantastic creature that has like eight arms and a set of wings. And oh, wow. 
That sounds complicated already. <laughs> yeah, that one's another big puppetry one. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably make my husband wear that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make it and you can do the complicated task of uh, cosplaying with it. How's that? <laughs> yeah. So how can we find out uh, more about you and your work, like social media, websites, that sort of thing? Well, I am all over the internet, but probably <laughs> the best place that you can find my work. Let's see. It's go to casplay.com. That is K-A-Z-P-L-A-Y.com. That's my website. One word. Okay. Yeah. Good. And yeah. That, can, that's where I go. <laughs> <laughs> you can find links to all my social media and like my Etsy store and my YouTube channel. Pretty much if you search Casplay or Kazool Cosplay on any of the social medias, I should show up. Okay, good. Yeah, so it's nice when it's easy to find what you're looking for. So thank you for making it easy for us. <laughs> and so uh, I imagine what we would find there is tutorials and, of course, demonstrations of your work and, and links to your awards and those sorts of things. Right. Yeah, um, on my YouTube channel, I like to do a lot of the behind the scenes on my builds as well. So you can go through and watch me explain my thought process as I'm working through. Like I did a lot of videos on Hogger. So you'll see me like talking about building the legs or how I built the neck structure and the head. And I talk a lot about uh, the choices that I make and why I've made those choices. So it'll maybe help inform you if you're building a big project um, or it might just be interesting. Um, I have some tutorials and patterns and uh, different tools uh, on my YouTube channel. That That's kind of like the main platform that I'm focusing on right now. No, that's very useful. Yeah. So you're, you're currently a guest on our podcast. I understand you have a couple of podcasts of your own. Yeah. So I, I do a podcast with some old high school buddies of mine about video games and video game news. It's called Pause Screen. You can find that on all, all the Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iTunes, all of them. So pause screen. And how do you spell that? Like a pause screen. Not, not like animal pause. Oh, like okay. You you press pause. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just a pup and we know where my mind went. So, okay. No, I got it now. I got it. I got it. <laughs> pause screen. Okay. Nice. I also do one with my husband. It's on a little bit of a hiatus right now as we try to figure out our schedules with his new job and our daughter. Uh, but it's called the Worgen's Howl, and it's all about World of Warcraft. So if you're a fan of World of Warcraft and like the art and community, that's mainly what we talk about. Cool. So how long have you been doing these podcasts? The pause screen started in 2014, and wow. Wow. Worgen's Howl started in, I don't know, 2013. So you're an old hand at this podcasting business. Ah, yes. <laughs> You mean she's an old paw at this podcasting business? She's an old paw, yeah. Yeah, my husband, like he did it before we got married or even met, and he was the one who introduced me, which actually I would encourage everybody to podcast because it helps get your confidence up. Getting used to the sound of your own voice and uh, learning how to talk and articulate your thoughts, like it's it's a good exercise. I think. And learning how to edit and modulate right. and all of that stuff. Yep. Yes. That is also <laughs> another part, like the hosting thing that still is over my head. My head, my husband 
handles that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that goes on in the background. And a lot of people don't understand that. But there's lots of resources to learn online. Like anybody can have a podcast. Oh, absolutely. I As mean, is the case with I, this. <laughs> we have a podcast. Clearly anybody can do it. <laughs> I, I mean, if they let Taven on a podcast, it's like, well, yeah, pretty much any friend can do it. <laughs> so to round out our interview with you, Kaz, anything last words of wisdom or sage advice that you'd like to pass down to the the listeners in the furry world? Because I'm imagining there's not a lot of people that, well, there's a lot of crossover between gaming and furries, but I think you're going to have a little bit of different attraction here on our little podcast. Well, coming at it from like just your passions and trying and learning something new, like always be learning and working on something like learning and improving yourself in some way is so valuable for your mental health, like just working on yourself to improve like and it doesn't have to be something that you have to show off to everybody and and prove yourself to anybody else. But just like working on yourself, improving, you know, I I like to um, say on my YouTube videos, a phrase to end that I I always say, remember to embrace your inner beast. And that's kind of what that means. And what that means to me is that, you know, everybody, we're, we're not perfect. We're not the people that we want to be right now. Like, but that's okay. You can still embrace yourself. And only then when you can be like, you know, I am right here in my life. That's the, once you embrace that, then you can start down a path of working on like different things you want to improve and working to get where you want to be in life. Working on hobbies and having fun with something is a great way to just like work and improve and do stuff like just doing something. I'm always an advocate of, of trying. And if you like doing it, you're more motivated to do it and therefore learn from it. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Kaz, thank you again for being on our show. It's been a pleasure to have you. And uh, we um, we look forward to your next creation. Thank you. We do. Whatever that will be. I'm sure that there are some really cool things floating around in that mind of yours. Always. <laughs> someday we're going to see in real life. So again, thanks again. Yeah, I, I wag and in a very scarily manner. <laughs> well, thank you for having <laughs> me on. I had a fun time. Great. Thank you so much. Bark, bark. Wow, that she's a tantamount professional, I would say. Tantamount. I, I, I'm surprised I was able to say that actually. So tantamount. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Quite the interesting person. She's very, very talented. Definitely. Um, for any of you first out there that have seen her working, you know, she's very talented. Hogger, I knew she. You know, that was one of her greatest big creations. I didn't realize it was like her really biggest, but I mean, I totally believe that. And you know, this whole time, of course, while she was talking, we've had all these, well, all from all different types of artistry and dancing and and fursuit making and all these artists and stuff. And uh, especially the fursuit makers, of course, a lot of what these people are saying really feed off each other well. I mean, they're, they're saying things from their own viewpoint, but they're also really good advice that's meshing with everyone else. And I'm hoping that any for that listens to all this um, can put it all together and uh, really improve their own learning and techniques. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's one of the best things about this whole, this whole community is insanely creative and insanely supportive. And both those having both of those together just 
really makes things skyrocket, I think. Absolutely. So that's really great. You bet. That is that is so true. So true. Well, Tabin, I suppose we should get along to our next little doggy. No, wait a minute. I think <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> I said get along and then doggy came into my head. So that I can guess... mine too though. So <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say, I can't get along little doggy. I can't even get one that's short. But anyway, <laughs> shall we move on to our next segment? Yes, I think that would be a great idea. Let's move along, little puppy. Well, now it is time for kind of furries in the news, upcoming events, and a random wiki fur page. So that's kind of what we're rolling this all together. Don't know what we're going to call this segment from now on, but... Because that's a lot of words for a segment. For a segment. What do you yeah. <laughs> We have an upcoming event next weekend, the 13th and 14th of November, uh-huh. which is the virtual Halloween 2020 pandemic. Oh, okay. What's going on there? I don't know what that is. It's a virtual con on the 13th and 14th. There you go. That's and what it is. the theme is pandemic. And the huh. theme is pandemic because so, how appropriate. Little, I know. But like, why do we need a con themed that? It's like, that's what we're living every single day. It'll be interesting to see their take on it, I guess. And I think it has something to do with Halloween, even though it's two weeks after Halloween. It's an event that's coming up that Fur is going to attend. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Okay. And now I would like to, you talk for a minute while I try and find a random wiki page. How's that? Okay. I am just a pup. I run around. I've been good. At ch- if I chase tail, it's in a very homogenous fluff Uh a happy sense. So for any of you furs that um, have actually been with us since the beginning, well, one, I say thank you so amazingly much. That's so, that actually means you actually have no idea how much that means to us. But uh, from the beginning, I had the tail saga, right? And so yes. the, 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 the first like what, 10 episodes or something were me, were about uh, how I was improving my technique to to chase the tail and then eventually catch the tail. And then I, I worked on some tricks with that. And then imparted my knowledge on, on squirrel and, and other, and I think there was a chipmunk and maybe birdie. How does a birdie chase his tail? I don't know how that went, but there it was. And then eventually, because <laughs> they're just still birdies, they're still like feathered tails. And then um, tail wrote me that message, that letter that we got. Our first mailbag was from tail mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, so all you furs that haven't heard it, you can co- go back and hear about the tail saga and all that. So anyway, I say all this because just to update, to pup date, <laughs> that everything's still going well. We still live in harmony. Tail's laying right beside me right now and, and wag a little bit, a little bit of the thumping on the on a the floor. And, yeah. Nice, and, uh, nice. okay. uh, and I don't know, maybe the thump, thumping's coming because uh, his fluff has... Madonna's some Madonna song in fluff. I don't know. I actually don't know what I'm talking about now. We're gonna move on to the wiki for a page. So that would be so good. Thank you for um letting me not talk anymore. <laughs> okay, so I'm clicking the random page, and unfortunately, there's not a lot coming up. They're like like one sentence things. So I okay, want well, a little... do a bunch of one-sentence things, maybe. <laughs> okay, so the first one that came up was Strider Orion. Strider <laughs> okay. Orion was a furry artist with a fursona of a blue horse. He was guest of honor at Furry Weekend Atlanta in 27, or oh. 2007, not 2007. I don't think they had a furry con I don't think they had one. No, that, that, no, no problem. <laughs> and it says, as of the year 2014... 
he appears to have vanished off the face of the earth without explanation. Or any okay. fluff left behind, apparently. Looking at another one. P-Dog. He-Dog? The letter P-Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, is a fursuiter who lives in British Columbia with his mate, Lace. That's it. That's good to know. Click one more. This is Anthrohio, as in Anthro, Ohio. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I've heard that's actually um, a, a good one. This is their entry from 2018. Okay. Anthrohio 2018 was the 16th in the series of Morphicon Anthro, Ohio conventions okay. and the third under the name Anthro, Ohio. It took place over May 24th through the 2017th on the 2017th. No, it took place <laughs> over May. <laughs> What's the 2017th? Uh, I, don't I don't know. And I don't know why it made me laugh, laugh like that. As a matter <laughs> of fact. It took place over May 24th through the 27th, 2018 at the Crown Plaza North in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. The theme has been announced as Barks and Recreation. <laughs> That's cute. Oh. I like it. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Of course, you know what it that reminds me of my our bark in the park video. Yes. Um, bark so, in the park video. Bark in so the park. That, that was random... actually a good one. I like that one. I don't know why I said that, but there it is. We have an upcoming guest in a couple of weeks, uh, Ronnie Callen, and he has a podcast called Barking with. That's and, true. That's true. And he will explain that. So tune in in a couple of weeks and hear Rain Rain Ronnie Callen <laughs> talking about that. Um, and also and- uh, tune in next week, too, not just in a couple weeks, but like, you know. And I have a small request because I haven't looked at it lately. What okay. is on our wiki fur? So for any fur that didn't know, Barely created a wiki fur for the podcast. At one point, it was very bare bones. It may still be, but I'm just curious what's on there. It's, it's still pretty bare bones because busy. Busy bare bones. What I do is I update. Actually, it's as... Barely Furcasting featuring Tabin is a weekly furry-centric, furry-centric podcast with Barely Normal and Tabin as co-hosts. It is produced under the umbrella of the Injured Nerves Productions Company. It is on all major pod platforms as well as a direct website. The show is a loose format with banter. That's us bantering co-hosts. Banter! And a central feature is usually an interview with a notable fur in the furry fandom. Said as of October 31st, we have a list of all the guests that we've had on the show so far as of oh, okay. October 31st. That's so. actually very useful, which actually takes way actually into the math thing, because um, when I was trying to figure out the math for this particular episode, I was going through and I found some great things that I thought, and I'm like, wait, did I already do that previously? So... Now I need to make a list, go back and make a list of all the maths and also the stories I've done so that I don't start repeating. Mr. Tabin, what do you have for us in the math world this week? This week, I have a paradox. So I like, I think paradoxes, paradox I, I think the plural of paradox is paradox I, isn't it? Paradoxes? No, that's a couple paradoxes. little flat dogs. That's a couple oh. little flat dogs. Uh, you go to yeah. a pet store and you're like... Yeah, no, I don't want one. I'll just have a pair of doxies. <laughs> but seriously, what is your math story? <laughs> <laughs> so my math. Oh yeah, we're doing that. So for any of you first that listen, you know, um, every now and then I've I've had some paradoxi that I've said, which are it's are pretty cool. And there was one I said in a prior episode. It was the liar's paradox, and it was about a liar who oh, everything he says is a lie. And he makes this statement, I am lying. That's it. That's that's the paradox actually right there. So I'll let 
any further that's just listening to this, try and figure out the paradox there and uh, go back and find the episode and, and uh, hear me talk about it. This paradox I have for this week is called the Crocodile Dilemma, and it's in the same vein as the Liar's Paradox, actually. And it's also one of those, another paradox I had at one point recently, I forget which episode, the one with, uh, do you remember barely the one about heterological and autological? I don't, but I'm sure I could go back and listen. <laughs> you should go back and listen because that, that one takes a little bit of thinking. And so I bring that up because this is another one that's a little bit of thinking and we'll see if I can actually explain it. The Crocodile Dilemma goes like this. The premise is that a crocodile who has stolen a child. <gasps> so isn't this starting out great? Wow. So, so it's <laughs> we, so positive. We, we just went right there. So this crocodile steals a child and he promises the parent. Apparently the parent is still there. So he okay. promises the parent that the child will be returned if and only if. That's exactly only if the parent correctly predicts what the child crocodile will do, whether or not he returns the child or not. Hmm. Okay, so this is saying the crocodile uh, will return the child exactly if the parent says that, predicts that he will return the child and vice versa about not returning the child. If the parent guesses that the child will be returned, that's not very exciting because the crocodile is going to keep the child. So, I mean, that's right. predicted yeah. right there. There's nothing strange or exciting about that. The dilemma comes up to the crocodile if the parent guesses that the child will not be returned. If it is the case that the crocodile decides to keep the child, i.e. is not returned, that means that the prediction of the parent has been validated. So then mm -hmm. the child has to be returned. Okay, great. But if the child is to be returned, then the prediction is wrong. Then the prediction is wrong. Exactly. The parent's prediction ah. has been falsified, which means that by the original premise, the child should not be returned. But then if he's oh. not returned, you go back to the original thing. So it's like it keeps waffling back and forth. And what's the answer? It turns out that the question of whether or not of what the crocodile should do, there's no justifiable solution. It's a paradox. As, as soon as you got there, my brain went, this will not work. This is a really cool paradox in that it's just like you said, it's like, okay, you're going along and listening and fun little story and everything. But at a certain point, your brain is like, wait, wait a, a minute. minute. My fluff yeah. has just been blown. This is okay. This is crazy. So anyway, I thought that was a really interesting thing I would share this week. And there's kind of other paradox I in this genre of the liar's paradox that are really interesting and cool. Maybe I'll hmm. talk about one of those or another paradox uh, in a future week. I kind of went down a rabbit hole today on math, and I found math limericks. Have you ever heard of math limericks before? I don't think so. I have. There are some really cool math songs out there. Like, I know there's the Klein Four group. They sing about math and stuff. There's a branch of math called group theory. In group theory, you've got these things called groups. There's a well-known group in group three called the Klein Four group. So there's, some, of course, a bunch of math people got together that sing about math and they call themselves the Klein Four group. Anyway, interesting that you say that, but I don't think I've heard of any limericks, no. So here's one you're going to like. A mathematician confided, a Mobius strip is one-sided. You'll get quite a laugh if you cut it in half for it stays in one piece when divided. That is amazing. That like so... <laughs> 
hits it on the fluff or don't hit the fluff, but it hits it on the fluff of, um, you know, what we talked about a few weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Ruby strips, pine balls, and everything in that limerick is 100% truth. And here's one. You will probably want to write this down later. Um, okay. But when you listen to it and you'll tell, and you have to tell everybody that it's true. A dozen, a gross, and a score plus three times the square root of four divided by seven plus five times 11 is nine squared and not a bit more. <laughs> that is amazing. That's so amazing. Um, no, thank you, Barely. That's just so, uh, both of those were so, but that was amazing. That of course brings me back to our episodes when we had math magic. Yes. If you, and if you go back and, and listen to, there's some pup episodes, pup episodes that have some math and magic. And I predict what Barely is going, what number Barely is thinking mm. of. That was awesome. But yes, definitely. I'll go back and listen to it, what you just said, and see if that's correct. I have to say, now you got me all excited and stuff. Okay, I have excited, to say, yes. based on the Mobius strip one, just a little trivia Mobius strip that I don't think I talked about when I talked about before was if you take a Mobius strip and, and you know, I talked about like uh, drawing how it's one sided because you can draw a line on it and you only have one mm-hmm. side. If you cut, down like with scissors down the middle of that what do you think you would get if you cut all the way around with scissors down that down the middle you just get a longer mobius strip don't you you would think so you actually get a longer twice as long strip that's actually uh got a 360 degree twist in it not 180 Mm. degree and what do you think happens if you cut that in half again and what do you think happens if you took your original moby strip and instead of cutting it down the middle cut it down like a third you you (laughs) You actually get two linked so it's not one piece of paper glued together you get two linked loops one of which uh-huh. is a moby strip and the other is not i believe if i remember right i know it's two things that are linked huh well so since you talked about that and you talked about klein bottles mm-hmm. here's a here's my final limerick for you mm. a mathematician called klein thought mm. the mobius strip was divine he said if you glue the edges of two you get a nice bottle like mine oh what you <laughs> wow this is so I am so excited right now. I am waiting all over the place. Wow. Because that is so true. That is exactly what happens. If you see my mm-hmm. my video on my YouTube about uh, Moby strips and Klein bottles, I talk about how if you have two Moby strips and glue it across a common boundary, you get a Klein bottle. Wow. I am so excited. This is, oh, barely. You have made this pup's night. You have no awesome. idea. Actually, you probably awesome. do have an idea, but. I do have an idea. I know exactly what to do to get you going, man. I you know, you, you I know me like better than you probably should. <laughs> yes. All right. Should we move on to our really bad jokes? Yes, we should. But let me get my book. I forgot to get my book. <laughs> okay. Well, you go get your book. I'm just going to leave this running and I'm just going to talk behind Tabin's back. I'm talking behind Tabin's back right now. You know, one of the funniest things about Tabin is there is no funniest thing about Tabin. He's all funny. There's a lot of funny things about him, but he's one of the funniest pups I know. One of the best pups I know to hang around with. Oh, wait a minute. He's back. I have to stop talking about him now. Hi, every fur out there. I guess I'll find out what that was about in a few weeks when this episode airs. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> so we have lots of really bad jokes. It's kind of kind of become the trademark of our, one of the trademarks of our show. It, I mean, and- it's throughout the entire show, but then we have, I mean, what is that? We do that throughout the entire show. 
because we can't help it because we are who right. we are. But then we <laughs> devote an actual segment Section. to it too. Yes. Like, that's crazy. Okay. <laughs> But here we are. Tabin has found a book that he calls Tabin's really bad joke book. Although it's really called what, Tabin? It's called Funny Jokes and Foxy Riddles. And I don't know if I agree with any of those words. I agree with the word and, but every (laughs) other word I don't think I agree with. Well, I'm going to start because I have a really funny joke that I think you'll enjoy. I was shopping for a birdcage the other day. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure it was made out of aluminum and that there wasn't any nickel in it. I wanted it to be a Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Oh, my fluff. All of a sudden, I just saw myself get snake eyes. Okay, just to explain for any fur out there, there's this movie called Snake Eyes starring Nicolas Cage. And Okay, that was great. (laughs) We'll have to face off with different jokes. Ah, I got that one too. It took me actually a millisecond, but I did get that too. There you go. There you go. All so right, again, your... Nicolas Cage was in a movie called Face Off. I, I like Snake Eyes better. That was actually a really good movie. I've seen it like many times. I like the movies. These aren't the only kind of movies I like, but I like the ones that have the, it's not gotcha ending, but like, wow, didn't see that one coming ending. Did you ever see the game with Michael Douglas? Uh, maybe. <laughs> It was, a, it was It's an older movie, but it's one of those, that series of events and things. And at the end, you're like, wow, I did not see that coming. And, and it's kind of a mystery puzzle type thing. And I, I like those. Anyway, next is, I should say for any fur that hasn't heard of the segment before, this book that I have, I've not previously read this jokes. And th- most of the time, they sh- cannot be really qualified as jokes. But here it goes. There is this man and he's in a hurry and he says, will the hotcakes take long? The waiter says, no, round as usual. Oh, wow. No, I have to read the right words because that doesn't make sense if I don't. That makes no sense. It doesn't. But when you hear how it's supposed to go, this will be great. How it's supposed to go is uh, the man in the hurry says, will the hotcakes be long? And the Uh. waiter says, no, round as usual. There's a big difference. So, (laughs) what we learned here is one word can make a huge difference. That it can. I'm pretty sure that we're going to have to retire the phrase "avoid it like the plague." Ah, really? Why is that? Well, because it turns out people really don't. Because of COVID, they're not really avoiding it like the plague. Oh, this is a current day. Okay. It's a current joke. Yes. It's a current day joke. Okay. I did not expect that. I got it. Okay. <laughs> wow. And, and we talk about a current joke. We're not talking about the little round fruit either. So, no, we're not. Mm-hmm. Speaking of salt, um, there was a little boy <laughs> and uh, he said, I'd like to buy that dog, but his legs are too short. The clerk at the store says, Too short? Why? All four of them are touching the ground. <laughs> Okay. I, okay, let me do I'm having trouble. I'm going to read this again. This might be like one of those where, I don't know, maybe it's just me, uh, but one of those from this book that we don't um, know what it means. So the little boy says, I'd like to buy that dog, but his legs are too short. Okay. okay. The clerk says, too short? Why? All four of them touch the ground. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> They're not too short that they can't touch the ground. So they touch not, the ground. They're not too short. That is so horrible. <laughs> right? Did, who came up with that? Again, your joke book was written in 19 what? 
1968. So, okay, 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 I can. It was a different world. So if an octopus and a shark had a fight, who do you think would win? I would guess the octopus because he is, he has more than one tentacle, which means he is a pie. Or he's better armed. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I was close. I was close. There. You were okay. very, very close. I was, I was impressed. I was going to be impressed with that. So cool. cool. Is it like, a, I think it was last week when you like got it, like you just yes. got it. Did you get my pie reference? I, I realized after I said it that you probably don't know where I was going with the pie. No, I didn't get the pie reference. Okay. So, so let me explain because it's so not please explain. It's very much not worth taking time for me to explain, but I'm going to anyway. So I was thinking more than one octopus is octopi. And then I was thinking they have more than one tentacle and Uh combine that with more than one octopus, which there wasn't. But in my puppy brain, there was. So there, that's the pie, octopi. Uh, it was octopi. very dumb. As I said, it was not worth it for me to explain that right now. Correct. Okay. But as you as you properly mentioned, it's it's our podcast. podcast. We can just say whatever we, we want. want. <laughs> that's right. So do you have do you have any more jokes besides the me being on the? the well, I mean, you know, podcast. here we go. I, I do, I do, I do. I have two more actually. For any further that's still listening, Thank I want you. to hug you so much. Oh my, oh my cow. <laughs> Bob says, did you take a bath today? And Charlie says, why is one missing? And so, you know, Pete, uh, you know, Pete, he's a good guy, right? Pete's a great guy. Pete's a great guy. And he makes dinner because Pete's a great guy. I mean, okay. so this actually wasn't um, the joke from the book, but something I just did in my little puppy brain. So let me do that again. So Pete's a great guy. He's eating his sausage and pepperoni pizza. Pete says, my mother knit my brother, who's in the army, three socks. Why three socks, Tony says. Pete says, well, my brother wrote and said he had grown another foot. (laughs) Yeah, but that was better than my pizza thing, so. Yeah, okay. So So we'll just stop there. (laughs) Well, hang on, I have one more. Oh, you have one more? Okay, we'll stop with mine. (laughs) Yes, so, you know, recently we had an election. And this is another did, this is an, another timely joke. Current you know? times joke. Okay, I love it. Yes. Uh, yes, we did recently have an election. And what about we that, did. Fairly? Well, a lot of the red states collided with the blue states, and now all the states are marooned. Oh my cow. Okay. <laughs> I, I got that. I actually got that. Well, let's take us off to trivia and see if your puppy logic can help you out on some okay, of these questions. Okay, yes. It, it's been uh, pros. It's been working out sometimes and not working out sometimes my puppy logic. So let's go with that. Yeah. Pick a category. Category. We'll do three questions. And uh, yes, it was it was just recently National Cat Day. So the, the <gasps> that's, that's true. So this is very apropos, I think is the word. I'm not really sure what that means, but I've heard it somewhere. Pick a category. Geography, entertainment, history, literature, science, or sports? Uh, Let's do literature. And the question is, what novel is subtitled The Modern Prometheus? I don't know if my puppy logic's going to help me out here, but we'll try. Prometheus. He was this guy that went to the prom, because it's in his name. (laughs) Yes. And he he was at one point a quadriplegic because... Uh, of the Prometheetic limbs he had. And what was the question again? Oh, yeah, subtitle. Um, this is a subtitle for a novel. 
what I'm doing now is very novelly crazy. So what was the Prometheus? What was it? So the novel is subtitled The Modern Prometheus. Okay, so he had modern prosthetic limbs at the prom that he took his date to, and then he saw the poodle in the corner. So I would have to say the book was To Kill a Mockingbird. (laughs) You were actually, your puppy logic was going down the right avenue because the book is Frankenstein. Oh, well, hey! (laughs) Yeah, my puppy logic was very pieced together and very abnormal um, thing. So yeah, that's great. Geography, entertainment, history, science, or sports? Let's do sports. Here you go. You should know this one. Who has played the most regular season National Hockey League games as a defenseman? Do you know what hockey is, first of all? I do. It's the ice and the the puck thing. And it's not the thing from Midsummer's Night Dream, which puck I, I'm right. proud of myself for knowing. Are you proud of me for knowing that? I, you, maybe you should have gone back to literature. <laughs> I really should have gone back to literature. How did I even know that? So yes, hockey is the ice and the stick and everything. So say the question again. So they want to know who. It's the name of a person. Who? Name of a person. Who has played the most regular games in hockey as a defenseman. Wayne Gretzky. No, it was Chris Chilios. But thank you. That was just like your your puppy logic just went zing. <laughs> zing. It was, zing. Okay, it's getting there. It's it, it like I get a half a point every now and then. So Yeah. All right. All right. So final category will be what? Geography, entertainment, history, or science? I think I'm going to go with entertainment. What heavy metal pioneer band was Ozzy Osbourne the lead singer of for their title album in 1970? Black Sabbath. You are correct. It was Black wow. Sabbath. <laughs> I I didn't even, my puppy logic, just like the synopsis just like fired really quick. I didn't have to like lateral thinking my way through it or anything. <laughs> I don't know how. Absolutely. That was wonderful. You were like, zing right there. Black Sabbath. Like I didn't even, I don't know how I knew that. That brings us to the end of our podcast, Haven. Oh, it you, does. Well, my you way. Can you believe it already? I cannot already. We did that. We survived. The puppy puns, we survived the barely puns, we survived the jokes, we survived me talking, and that's <laughs> amazing. I think, I really think every fur, if any fur is listening, I know why. It's because they want to hear you barely. If you remember, was it a week or two ago, the letter from Chiron? Yes. What was yes. it he said? He said, I have a sexy voice. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's But, but uh, your voice is pretty sexy too. Oh, well, you know, you're just a sweet bear. Oh, my. Fluff. <laughs> I don't even know what that word means. I know. It but, is fluff. <laughs> you know, and every week I'm amazed at how fast this time flies by. It seems like we just sit down to start the podcast. The next thing we know, it's it's over and we were saying goodbye. So, you know, all you furs out there in the Potiverse, be sure to reach out to us on Twitter, Telegram, email, Fur Life, WikiFur, Facebook, or, you know, even Carrier Pigeon. <laughs> The, the, the one that I taught to chase its tail. Yes, the pigeon that you taught to chase its tail. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm going to say goodbye, Tabin. What are you going to say? I'm going to say wag, wag, bark, bark, and goodbye, Tabin. Until next time, bark. Love you all you for, for listening to us. Thank you so much. It means you have no idea how much it means if you're actually listening to us. That's so amazing. I can't wait to hug you all. Barely Furcasting is an Injured Nerves studio production and is found on all major podcast platforms or can be heard directly at barelyfurcasting.com. 
The opinions expressed here are those of the hosts and their guests, and no commercial compensation was granted. The Furcast is produced, recorded, and directed by me, Barely Normal, a.k.a. Mike Began, and is edited by myself and our associate editors, Rain Raccoon and Keynes. This week's interview was edited by Rain Raccoon. Opening and closing theme music, as well as some interstitial music, was created for Injured Nerves Productions for the use on the podcast by our music associate, Reg Day, with Damien Tanuki. If you would like to send us a message, you can do so via email at barelyfurcasting at gmail.com or on our Telegram chat at BFFT chat, on Twitter, on our Facebook page, or on the barelyfurcasting.com webpage. You can also help support the show through donations at ko-fi.com forward slash barelyfurcasting. Thanks for listening. We hope you come back and listen next week. Mm-hmm.